Stop everything you're doing right now. Time to listen up. Episode 90 of the Divorce Resource Guy podcast is about to begin, and we're talking about things you need to know. Welcome to the Divorce Resource Guy podcast with Jason Lavoie, a.k.a. the Divorce Resource Guy, a former divorce attorney turned divorce coach, talking about all things divorce, including the good, bad, and the ugly from an attorney's point of view. Remember, you're not alone. And now, your host, Jason Lavoie. All right, welcome to another episode of the Divorce Resource Guy podcast. I am your host, Jason Lavoie, a.k.a. the Divorce Resource Guy. And today we're going to talk a little bit about divorce, mortgage, and how that interplay all comes together. My guest for you is the esteemed Mona Wong. Mona has been in the business for about 20 years, and she is currently with Monument Mortgage for about 14 years. Uh, She's also a working mom with 17-year-old twins. God bless her. She's a sports mom with each of the twins playing baseball and softball. She loves working with people and helping you guys through something that can be very scary and nerve-wracking, obtaining a mortgage, and especially during divorce. She's seen and heard it all, and she has so much experience to share with you guys, which is why I have her on the show. So, without further ado, let's talk with Mona about divorce, mortgages, and what you need to know. Mona, welcome to the podcast. I'm excited to have you on. Thanks, Jason. I'm really excited to be here. It's my very first one. I know. We were just talking about that off air, and I'm very honored to be your first. (laughs) It's going to be a memory you hold forever. Forever. It'll be fun. (laughs) Hopefully a good memory. (laughs) So the way I start off the show is with every guest of mine is I ask you to, to give the listeners who might not be familiar with who, who you are, a little bit of background about yourself and kind of how you got to this point where you are today. Okay. Yeah. So my name is Mona Wong. I'm with Monument Mortgage. I've been with Monument for, this is like the ongoing joke. We can never remember when I actually started. So I'm going to say it's been about 14 years. So it's 13 or 14 years I've been with Monument, um, but I've been in the industry for about 20 total. Um, I have 17 year old twins and I jumped into this business, had kids, and I blinked, and here I am now. <laughs> I feel like that's how it happens for most of us. Yeah, don't blink. <laughs> twins, You. we were talking off the air just a second ago. You didn't tell me they were twins. Oh, yeah, they're twins. Yeah, yeah. Double trouble. I forget, well, I forget things because I had twins. <laughs> <laughs> I have a, an almost eight-year-old, and yeah, just, I feel like I have twins. I feel like I have quadruples. Yeah. well... <laughs> That's funny. So you're in the mortgage industry. Um, Everybody, I think, has an idea of kind of what that means. But let's just pretend there's somebody out there who may not. Um, You know, people hear the term mortgage broker. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure everybody understands really what that means. So just give us a brief overview of like, what what, what is that? What is a mortgage broker? I can tell you what. I am as a mortgage broker. Um, So I work with people who are looking for a mortgage either to buy, refinance, or to buy out. And so, you know, in the case of a divorce, you're looking at possibility buying or um, a buyout. And I work with them to see what products would be beneficial for them. And, but I also do a lot of legwork before we even get to that point. So somebody who is just starting the process of 
you know, a, a, a divorce? You know, what do you need to do to get ready? Because there are some things that you do and you can't take it back. And usually those are things on a bank statement per, per se. And, um, you know, once you deposit something or take something out, you can't undo that on a bank statement. So I try and have, all my, have that conversation with my clients, get them prepared so that their process could be easier. Going through a divorce is already hard enough. Right. So I try and do this so that it can make that process for them easier, at least. So that's a good segue, I, I think, if you don't mind, and I don't want to put you on the spot, but <laughs> I'm going to do it now. Take, take us through somebody's getting divorced. Um, they come to you. They're in the middle of the process, I guess, is when you would speak with them. Um, and they're thinking about their options, buying out uh, or just selling or, or buying a new home. Um, can you take us through kind of like a hypothetical of how you would work with this person from, you know, kind of like start to yeah. finish? So it's going to make a difference if you are the spouse, if there's going to be somebody paying maintenance or child support, if you are the spouse who's going to be paying it or if you are the spouse who's going to be receiving it. And so this is where it's kind of like, um, you know, it's, 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 it's totally different animals other than the obvious reasons. So if you were the spouse that is paying child support or alimony, we kind of have, we have to count that debt against you. And oftentimes that can hurt, that will hurt them because it goes against their debt to income ratio, which could prevent them from qualifying for the amount of mortgage they want or need in order to A, buy out or B, buy a new home. Okay. If you're the spouse that is receiving the child support or alimony, they're gonna have to see that you have been receiving this for at least six months after the final decree has been signed or the temporary order has been signed. So, and each state is kind of different. Like in Massachusetts, there's no separation agreement. Like you have a, the, the temporary order and then you go straight into your final decree. So I, I know each state is different. So I always, you know, if the spouse that comes to me says, I am going to be receiving child support and or alimony. And if we need to use that income in order for them to qualify for a new mortgage, whether to buy somewhere, buy something new, or to buy out the other spouse. And if we need that income, we, you know, we need to kind of plan ahead and say, okay, if I'm gonna sign this in January, I can't count that income, uh, count that as income until I have received it for six months after that. So you're looking at a transaction that's gonna happen in June or July. So knowing this will help everybody know what the timing is like and what they can expect. So that's a good point. And I want to just get into that a little bit more um, if I can, because if you have an example, and is that, let me just start off by this. Is that a Massachusetts state specific thing? You have to wait six months? It's a Fannie or Freddie guideline. Okay. Um, so if you have that kind of a loan, if you're looking for that type of a loan. It'll... Right. So there are portfolio lenders out there that will allow you to use it if it's on a temporary order or a final decree, even though you ha they haven't seen a history of it yet. So Fannie or Freddie products are going to require them that they see a six-month history of receiving this income. 
okay, yeah, that was my question. In a final decree, let's say, if that's the first time this is spelled out, you know, you're going to be receiving, you know, spousal support or child support in X amount, but you haven't received it yet, um, then the settlement agreement, if there is one, is going to have to spell out, you know, or or take that into consideration for timing purposes of when that, let's say, the marital home is sold or the buyout happens, right? Right. So you're going to have to time it like if they decide to buy out, they're going to have to know, okay, I'm going to, and, and this is only an issue if the spouse that's buying it needs that as income. Okay. So if the spouse that's buying them out already has an income and can, and can, you know, afford the buyout without the child support or alimony, then it's not an issue. Right. Because we don't need to count that. We don't need to see a history of it. That's just if you need it as part of your income to qualify. That's that's correct. And is and, that and some that um, you know, like a lot of times the spouse that's paying will start paying it. Um, you know, per the decree, let's say they're getting five thousand a month. And in the agreement they say, okay, well, if the spouse that's paying it you know, pays for a piano lesson and you can just deduct it out of that payment. My recommendation is to don't do that. <laughs> you should have them pay the full 5,000 and then you can reimburse them for whatever the piano lesson was for. And the reason for that is so that the underwriter can see the continuity of that payment coming in. And it's never like up and down, up and down. Cause then that, that puts doubt in their head and they're wondering, well, what's going on? The decree says 5,000 and you're getting 4,800. Right. And they're not looking into, is there a good reason why it's fluctuating? They're not looking into your life. They don't care. They're no. just looking at the numbers. Well, right. That's the thing. You got to remember the underwriters are very black and right, white. Like whatever you put in front of their face, like that's what they're going to see. They're not going to, they don't, they're not, they're not supposed to think, oh, perhaps life happened. <laughs> right, right. They're not, yeah, they're not no. looking at your individual circumstance, really. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So it's whatever's on the paper, you want it to, to show whatever it is you want it to show. Now, can you work, if you're working with somebody, can you run the numbers before the divorce is finalized to see if they would qualify without the support that they may be receiving so they know that if they need the support to qualify, they can write up the agreement maybe differently. I do that all the time. It's sort of similar to like a pre-qualification for when you're buying a new home. Okay. So it's just, you know, you run, you have your credit run, you're looking at everything to make sure all the numbers jive. And so on that note, you know, let's say you, you're getting a divorce you've been out of the workforce for a couple of years because you were the one who was home with the kids. So now you start working again and you're like, Oh, but I'm, I'm working, but you've only been there for like a month or maybe a year. And on top of that, you still have the kids. So you're only working part-time. Right. So, you know, what, what can we use for an income? And in a situation like that, where it's, if it's a part-time situation and your hours fluctuate, they're going to want to see a two-year history. Okay. Years. Yeah. 
if you go into, you know, if you go back into your line of work and it's a salaried position, you know, I would say if they see like six months to maybe a year, they should be okay with that. But if it's a part-time position where the hours fluctuate, they're going to want to see a two-year history. And what's the so, reasoning for that, if you know? It's, it's the continuity. They need to see that, you know, especially with a part-time position. I mean, to be honest, like all our jobs, we're all at will. Right. right? It could end so today. You, it could end today. So whereas this is where it's kind of like, mm, because if you're a contractor and you have a contract to work January 1st until December 31st, and there's a definite end date, you know, underwriters don't like that. They want to see that you have at least a three-year, a three-year continuity of work. But reality is you and I could both lose our jobs tomorrow. There's no guarantee of three years. Um, After so this podcast with you, I'm of, done. Okay. Yeah, well, I know. I plan on retiring too. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why it's kind of like, well, it's not, it doesn't really make sense, you know? Um, but yes, they want to see the continuity. So that's why they want to see that history. Now, let's just take the contract position because a lot of people are contract these days. Right, um, yeah. So if you have a contract, let's take two different scenarios. One, you have a contract that's year to year, but you've been doing it for three years. Does that count as continuity? Um even though you're not guaranteed the next year. Right. And then the second scenario, if you have, let's say three different contract positions in three years, does that look bad or not? So somebody like yourself, right? You have your own business and you might have, you work with several people, right? And so, you know, so some businesses run where, they are working on several contracts each year. Right. And so if they have been doing this for at least two years, then we can say, well, this is how, this is how the business runs. Right. But what we would see is really, you know, we would see probably a schedule C on their tax returns um, to show the business and how much they're making. Right. Um, people like teachers, right? Like they are, basically year to year but we know that you know once they they have their new contract coming up and so though like that would be okay you know if they have if they have a history of it and that's how the business works it, it should be okay okay yeah i mean i think the main point correct me if i'm wrong i think it's they just want to see consistent employment consistent yes. income so they know they're not making a bad choice giving right. you all this money and you're not going to be working all of a sudden. Right. Exactly. They need to know that um, they're going to get their monthly mortgage checks. <laughs> <laughs> kind of important. <laughs> just a little bit. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. And, and going back to the whole, you know, divorce decree and the, and the um, child support and alimony, keeping your bank statements clean is very important too. And so when I say that, I mean, you know, if the spouse comes over and hands you, you know, five grand in a paper bag and says, here, here's your child support. Like, don't take that. Because when you deposit cash into your bank account, they don't like that. 
Underwriters, underwriters do not like cash. No, they don't like cash. Cash is king. They, they don't dealer? like it. Well, they don't know when they see a large deposit, they're going to want to source it, right? And if if somebody gave you a bag of cash, they can't source that. If it was, you know, if it was a check and you just went and deposited, be of a check. So if you receive checks and for some reason they're not being direct deposited, take a picture of it and then deposit it so that you have you can source where all this money is coming from. They want to make sure that you haven't taken money from like a credit card. Mm. And then or not not your credit card. Even if it is your credit card, you know, then that's not real money because you're incurring debt. Right. So yeah, so that's what they're looking for. So to be easy and, you know, if it gets complicated, nothing is easy with a mortgage, nothing, which is why I always say you have to ask. There's nothing that's stupid. There are no stupid questions. You have to just ask because everybody's situation is different. And things, I've heard things that I, you know, 20 years I've been in this, I, I have, I hear crazy things all like the what? time. Now you got it. You're it, teasing us. I know. <laughs> Podcast number two. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you know, I think um, just to be generic, I guess, don't deposit cash. If you deposit a check, take a picture of it before you deposit it. Unless it's a direct deposit from work, then that's okay. Okay. Yeah. The, getting back to the cash thing. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know many people who are going to drop all $5,000 in cash, but if it's a one-time thing, like, is that okay? Or... Like, don't make it a consistent. Let's say somebody did give me, give me like, you know, a bag of money, $5,000, and we won that number. And I deposited it today, June 22nd. And, you know, it sits in there, it sits in there. We usually ask for two months bank statement. Okay. okay. So if it's in there in the June statement, I would have to wait a few months out. So July, August, so we would have to wait until September. Because if you do the transaction in September, I would then ask for July and August bank statements and I wouldn't see this large deposit in June. So that was actually a great transition into my next question, which is what does somebody need to show proof of when you're trying to qualify for a mortgage? So two months bank statements is one. We're going to want to see two months bank statement. We're going to want to see um, a 401k. Depending on the loan size and what type of loan, we might need to see reserves, which is where your 401k might come in or any stocks or anything that you might have. Um, we're going to want to see pay stubs. We're going to want to see um, W-2s from the previous year. And so again, depending on what the size of your loan and what type of program, we may need tax returns. Um, but generally it's just a W-2 that we will need. Okay. Or, and if you're not a W-2 employee, a 1099 or something else. Well, if you're not a W-2 employee, then we're going to want two months, uh, I'm sorry, two years of W-2 or, uh, tax returns. And then the 1099s, if you have those, and, um, they may ask you for a profit and loss statement for a year to date profit and loss statement. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. All right. All little details or not little right right so that's what i'm saying like everybody's situation is different and you know sometimes people do both they're w-2 and they have a thing on the side where they're doing 1099 so then you know i try and see 
what we can do the easiest way we can do it. Right. Yeah, so, of course. Yeah. There's different yeah. ways to skin a cat, which is why I guess it's better to talk with somebody like yourself earlier than later. Exactly. Like if you know that this could be happening, it's never too early just so that you know where you stand so that you can budget yourself and know, you know, especially where I find that most um, people that I speak to who are in a divorce situation, uh, a lot of them are like, oh, I, don't, I never, you know, dealt with the mortgage. I, I don't know. Right. So, you know, I don't know how much I can afford. I don't know. And so that's when I have the conversation. Well, do you have cable? <laughs> do you have all the channels? <laughs> <laughs> what package do you have? Right? <laughs> right. Do you, and you know, cause these are costs that are high every month and you just, you know, they, and you don't think about it. You, it's you know, you, so, you, to, you tell them like create a budget. You have to figure out what, right. what your budget create your is. Your budget. Yeah. Like, do you have to pay for water? What are the utilities that you have to pay? Um, the cable, the cell phone, the internet. Um, well, yeah. The, how much are you ordering out every week, every month? You know, so like all that stuff is stuff that's not on your credit report. So then you have the stuff on your credit report. Like how much do you have in credit card debt? Do you have a car payment? So, you know, we have to work out and, and know, okay, for you, how much are you comfortable with on your mortgage? And then let's figure out what that number is for you to either buy out or buy something new. And that's a, you brought up a, a great point that I want to touch on. And then um, I told you this would go fast and then we'll wrap it up. But yeah. when, and this is what happened, correct me if I'm wrong. This is what happened years ago when, with the whole mortgage collapse thing, just because you qualify for $800,000 mortgage, does that mean that you should take out an $800,000 mortgage? <laughs> Right. That's why we have that conversation. I remember those days. I was processing them. And I was giving, we were approving loans for people who were working part-time at McDonald's, no money down, and they would walk away with a key to a house and $500. It was amazing. And you wonder why they foreclosed. But, right. you know, so that's why we have that talk about your budget. What are you comfortable with, with a monthly payment? How much are you spending? I don't look at that. I don't know how much you pay for a health insurance. I don't know how much you put away for 401k. Right. So you need to know, like, you might be thinking, oh, you know, I bring home $8,000 a month. I could afford something that's, you know, $5,000. Well, no, you, you can't. <laughs> so, right. you know, we have to like, so we, you know, there's a lot of educating in there and, you know, bringing things to light that they never thought of paying for home insurance right and, and just right utilities um, yeah your normal yeah. life you don't want to be what we call uh house poor right you don't want to be house poor and you know you don't want to eat ramen <laughs> you know i was about, I was about to use the ramen analogy but i'm like no. yeah <laughs> <laughs> listen we've all been there <laughs> right right <laughs> we're still making it <laughs> yep yep seriously seriously so um yeah i think that's 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 an important conversation. Everybody should have that. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's it really it's it goes into the whole equation. And you, right, it's not exclusive. What what you qualify for and what you need to be looking at and what you can afford are two separate questions. 
Right. Um, Amona, this is all excellent stuff. Where, where do you work with people? Can you work with people in more than one state or are you limited? Yeah, so I am licensed in Massachusetts and New Hampshire. Um, we're hoping to add on another state soon. Um, my office is actually licensed in Massachusetts, New Hampshire, and Maine. I just don't have my Maine license. But if you have somebody in Maine, I can certainly, um, you know, set them up with my colleagues. And yeah, we can help them. Awesome. And where can people find you if they want to reach out? So my our website is www.monumentmortgage.com. Um, my name is Mona Wong. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Mortgage with Mona. And um, they can also email me, Mona W at monumentmortgage.com. Um, or they can go through you and get my information too. But I'm happy to talk to people just to even, you know, like I, I talk to a lot of people where sometimes I'm not licensed in their state, you know, but at least I can give them some general information. Like every state's going to be a little bit different, right. but we can give them like, but numbers are still numbers. So I can still give them general information. Like people, I've worked with people that have taken years, you know, and, but it's a lot of like counseling and a lot of educating so that they can make the right decisions for themselves and their families. And and this is when you're talking about, you know, a house or a property, this is a big decision, right? It's one of the biggest, Huge. right? So you want to make it right. You want to do it the right way. You do not yeah. want to screw it up, right? So yeah, no. you got to talk to somebody like Mona. You know, like she said earlier, it's not too early. It's never too early. It's never too early. Never too early. And the only thing that changes are interest free. rates. It's free to talk to me too. Woo, you shouldn't have thrown that out there. But <laughs> <laughs> you're going to get a flood of calls all of a sudden. No, but that's awesome. And thank you so much for offering that because I think hopefully people will reach out to you. Um, yeah. And, and they sent the message. Thanks, Mona, for coming on the show. It was so great to have you. Thank you, Jason. You're awesome. I love talking to you. All right. We'll do it again. Sounds good. All right. Another one in the books, as they say. So as you can see, mortgages and divorce is not necessarily so simple. It's not always so black and white. That's why you need to talk with the right professional as early on in the process as possible. You can never be too early when you're talking about mortgages, homes. Things take time. You have to plan, as you heard Mona say. So just keep that in mind. Never too early to start talking with the right professional. So if you're looking for help with your divorce, please check out my website, jasonlavoy.com. I offer group coaching and one-on-one -on -one personal divorce coaching. Also, if you like what you're hearing in the podcast, please subscribe so you get all new episodes when they come out. And if you so choose, I would love it if you gave me a kind review on iTunes. Take it but a minute, but means the world to me, keeps me going and motivated. In the meantime, all I'm going to ask you to do is be strong, act confident, and stay positive. I'm Jason Lavoy, a.k.a. The Divorce Resource Guy, and I'll be seeing you real soon.